Hey, one more thing before you go. Do you want to know what it's like to go from designing buildings to playing drums on the weekend to literally performing stand-up comedy for presidents of the United States? How about how it feels to be the first black comedian to have his own show on Comedy Central? We're going to answer these questions and more. I'm your host, Michael Hurst, and this is That Thing About the Architect of Comedy. My guest today is an actor, a stand-up comedian with the honor of being the first African-American to have his own show on Comedy Central. He headlined colleges and clubs all over the world and has had the privilege of emceeing events that included Michelle Obama, as well as working with the former President George Bush Sr. and Barack Obama. You've seen him on every TV network and the streaming platforms Netflix and Hulu. Currently, you will find him with his own show on YouTube. Let's welcome to the show, Ronnie Collins. <laughs> See, this is when I, I need to hear an applause, like, you know, like a studio audience, you know. <laughs> it gets you right into, uh, right, right into mode, like, all right, here we go. It's official. I, next time, I'm going to get a soundboard. Well, next time we do it, I'll have a soundboard. <laughs> At least one hand clapping, maybe that <laughs> gets me going. <laughs> How are you, man? I'm doing really well. Good, good. I'm doing really well. So I, you've had a, a very interesting journey to get where you yeah, are man. today. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's let's kind of learn a little bit about how you got here. So yeah. uh, where'd you grow up? I grew up in uh, Springfield, Massachusetts, uh, actually the home of the Basketball Hall of Fame. And so you, go ahead. No, say, so you, did you play basketball? Um, I still play, but it's not like I played where, you know, it's notable, you know, but uh, I, I do love playing basketball. But you get the privilege of saying that this is where you're from, so it works. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, if you're from if you're from there, I think you should play it anyway. You know, at least pay homage. At least a little, bit. a little bit, a little bit, right? So you go to school there, and, and did you go to college there? No, I went to college in Boston. It's about ninety miles east of uh, Springfield. And I think you you had uh, had mentioned or I'd seen where you studied architecture technology. Yeah, yeah. It was. Um, it's more. Um, the engineering part, um, the more of the t- technology part of uh, architecture, um, the bones of uh, how a building goes up. And yeah, that was kind of cool because uh, when I started working in architecture, it was, a lot, it was a lot, for me, it was a lot more fun, a lot more interesting to see the actual way a, a building will go up. Because a lot of people see the end of a, of a building or they see the outside, but you know, the foundation, the, 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 the studs, the steel, I mean, it can go on and on and on. But um, that for me, that was, I just found that very, very interesting. And I just felt that was, that made the building real. Yeah. That's right. Kind of a different aspect from architecture. Right. Um, you know, the actual, the actual design of it. We have a friend that of ours, that's an architect mm-hmm. and he loves the design aspect of it. So right. um, yeah, this would be extremely interesting actually. So do you have a degree in that? No, actually I got hired before I graduated. So, oh, that's cool. yeah. And um, so then when I was working with the firm, I, it's so funny because I was uh, going to all these reference books and trying to figure out the pitch of a roof. And uh, my boss is like, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm just trying to figure out the pitch. And he goes, ah, forget all that math. Do it like this. And he says, da, da, da. I'm like, oh, man, all that schooling I did. <laughs> I just did it like in 10 seconds. So I realized that I learned a lot more on the job than going to school. Plus, I was getting paid for it. So I was like, all right, so I'll do this. Yeah, getting paid to learn and work. Yeah, and exactly, exactly. What did you do during during your off time? Did you play drums? You yeah, play? man. So <clears throat> um, I started playing drums when I was in eighth grade. And that's what I thought was going to happen in my life, that I was going to be an architect during the week and a musician on the weekends. And, you know, life is it. That was how it was going to go. And so I was, I was, so to speak, happy with that. You still play drums now? Yeah, man, I still play. I mean, that's something that music is... 
it's so universal. And, you know, if I can sit on a, on a kit and play it, uh, I don't know, it's just it's therapeutic for me. Music is therapeutic. When I took, uh, I got my my degree. I have a, a master's in um, interdisciplinary studies with a focus on performance right. in digital media. Oh wow! And we, yeah, it was kind of interesting. And we learned how, the, how performance of any type, whether it be uh, music or dance or drama, helps people to heal. Yep. Yep. And one of the one of the connections that I had made actually um, is a lady that uh, has a drumming circle. Yeah. In fact, I play in the drum circle in Central Park with the West African drummers. I own a djembe, and um, it's very, very organic because you'll see all types of people from all parts of the world will stop and they will move, and it's just drums. You know, there's no horns, there's no guitar, you know, there's no piano. It's just drums, and people. It's just, it's just organic. It's just this natural thing. People have to move. So it's it's really really cool and basic, very very basic. So that's very cool to have that kind of uh, I don't want to say control, but uh, that kind of like power, you know, that kind of gift. Yeah, that kind of gift. Because you you combine two universal languages, right. music okay, and dance. Yeah, yeah, and in movement and um, nope. yeah, and it's 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 really interesting. I Me, mean, you know, sometimes I, I think I should study sociology. Because just watching, you know, being a stand-up comedian too, but just watching, you know, people just stopping and just, and it's, and it's so, what's the word I'm looking for? It's subconscious, you know, when they start moving and I kind of smile, I'm like, ah, oh, the rhythm got you. <laughs> Gloria Esteban, yeah. the rhythm's going to get you. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's interesting. You can always watch when good music is being played, everybody's knees are moving, everybody's feet are tapping. Bingo. It's pretty cool. Yep, you're right. Pretty cool. So how did you go from uh, being in the architecture realm uh, to being uh, in the entertainment field? Very interesting story. Um, I was having lunch with my mother. I uh, took a, uh, a lunch break from work and I went to her house and we were just kind of like sitting down. We just had really great conversations anyway. So, you know, she, sometimes she pops up these questions. She says, if you could be anything you want to be in the world, what would it be? And I said to her, I'd love to be an actor. You know, and she was like confused. She's like, why are you designing buildings if you want to be an actor? And I said to her, I'm from Springfield, Massachusetts. No one famous ever came from Springfield, Massachusetts. And um, she said three words to me. You never know. And I was surprised that, you know, she was supportive. And, you know, in this dream that I had or this thought that I had, I'm like, really? So, of course, I gave her some pushback to kind of like, you know, show her that it, it can't be done. And I go, well, I, you know, sure. Okay. Be, to be an actor, I don't know. Or I, I would never know if I try, but I mean, know how to try it. Cause there's no, there wasn't any acting or um, any performance kind of teaching or schooling around. She said, why don't you try stand up comedy and then parlay that into uh, in an acting career. I'm like, really? She's like, yeah, try it. See, you never know. So I, uh, looked in, in in the paper and I found out they were um, they're looking for comedians uh, at this place called the Hot L. Warren. Now, the reason why I call it the Hot L. Warren, because it's actually called the Hotel Warren, but the E fell off and they just didn't want, they're just too lazy to put the E back. So they call it the Hot, hot L. Warren. <laughs> I kid you not. And um, every Wednesday they had a comedy night and try your hand at comedy. And so I was so confident i kid you not man i was so confident 
that I was going to get an encore, I prepared 10 minutes. Instead of five minutes, I prepared 10 minutes, twice the stage time, because I knew I was going to get an encore, so I wanted to be ready. And uh, I got on that stage, and I did my 10 minutes in three minutes, and I had two minutes of nothing. <laughs> and so you could just hear, you know, people breathing. You could hear the uh, someone staring the ice in their glass, you know what I mean? And I was like, oh, what am I doing up here? So uh, my uh, <laughs> my five minutes was up. And I saw my car in the window, and I was making a beeline to my car. And the guy who books it, uh, the manager, uh, he goes, where are you going? And I said, I, listen, man, I tried it. It was horrible. Sorry to mess up your stage, mess up the show. He goes, no, 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 no. You have great stage presence. Um, you have to learn how to write material. That's a technique that you have to learn. So he put $5 in my hand, and he said to me, see you next week. Just work on your act. So the very first time I stepped on mm -hmm. stage, I got paid for it. And that was like the best a uh, nugget of of, uh, of a message right there was, uh, you know what, you're, you're on the right path. And so I just kept coming back every uh, every Wednesday and just learning the craft. And um, it's it's very, I keep well, it's very empowering to get up on stage and to have complete strangers laugh collectively. You know, it's just to, to have that control that, you know, and also you're doing you're doing a good thing because you're, you're making them laugh and, and everyone's relating to it. It's just it just felt really, really good. And I wanted to keep doing that. I want to do more of that, more of that. And so I just did. I kept just doing it and doing it. That's amazing. I mean, that's amazing. It, it's kind of a my wife and I attend comedy shows all the time okay. because we like that connection that we've got with people that are on stage yeah. and we've been very lucky and and the fact that we, every time that we've gone we've been able to be interactive with the people that right. are on stage right pretty cool that makes give us an added opportunity yeah I, i've been an actor i've been a director i've been a producer a screenwriter but i can never be a stand-up comedian <laughs> yeah it's not a so I, re I have respect for you guys yeah. i really do <laughs> yeah you talk to the best actors that you know you tell them every try stand up they oh man they're like oh no 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 they know it's it's a it's a tricky game. Well, you know, me coming from my first career as law enforcement, it's very hard to look at somebody and say, "Laugh." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I told you to laugh. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it it does. Uh, it there there is a, a little slight dynamic there, right? So, how, but if I can ask this, and you know, obviously you can hide that if you want to, but uh, how old were you? Um, I'm hiding that because. The reason I'm going to tell you I'm hiding that because in my career and as an actor, once they give you an age, once you give an age, they'll, they'll pigeonhole you and put you in this particular category. So for the longest time, I didn't tell my age and I've got hired for different crazy age ranges. And so I just want to be safe and say, uh, you tell me how old I am. I respect that. Yeah. You're 23. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you very much. I was hoping 22, yeah. but I'll take 23. <laughs> 23 works. It's a little bit little bit more experienced than a 22-year-old. <laughs> oh, I see. Thank you. Thank you. Once you embarked on your stand-up career, did you uh, take off right away, or did you, is that something that you just still did on the weekends? Uh, how, how did you kind of grow from that into – um, being the first African-American to own his own show on a network. Ah, you can say black guy, one, one syllable. African -American, black guy? Yeah, African-American is just so many syllables. But um, so let's see. So I was enjoying doing stand-up, and um, I heard about these comedy clubs in Boston. And so I just worked on an act. And so I, I got together a 20-minute act. I was very, very competent. And I kind of auditioned at a, a 
at a comedy club. And the guy who books it, he's like, oh, man, you're great. I manage comedians. Um, you want to be part of that group? And I'm like, yeah, of course. And so then I started uh, doing clubs all through New England and comedy nights in New, through New England and headlining and things like that. And uh, Comedy Central, uh, they were looking for hosts and they were developing shows. And they saw me do something on MTV. And um, they said, what about this guy? So I went in, met with him. Uh, did like a little screen test and they go, yeah, you're the guy that we want. And um, that was pretty much it. And uh, later I found out that I was the first black guy that hosted a show on Comedy Central. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Is that something that we can go back and look for? Oh, yeah. A show called Stand Up, Stand Up on Comedy Central. Uh, yeah, I'll have to, I'll, we'll check that out. Yeah. I appreciate that. So, you know, that obviously what a fantastic opportunity that was, and it must have really made you feel good. And I'm sure your mother was really proud. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I didn't realize or I didn't um, appreciate uh, how historical it was or how important it was until, of course, until, you know, later, later on. I just thought I was, you know, I was just going through, you know, the next step in, in my career, you know, but uh, I appreciated it, though, and I, and I enjoyed it. So once you did that, did you leave your, um, you left your architectural right. technology job? Right. So, um, and I had left it in a very interesting way, if I may. Um, so I was trying to do both. I was trying to do stand up, and I was trying to do architecture and play music and, on the weekends. And I got this just bad, like stomach cramp, you know, like it's burning in my, in my gut. And uh, so finally I had to go to the doctor and he says, you're, you're developing an ulcer. You're, you're burning the candle at both ends. And so he said to me, listen, dude, you got to make a decision. You know, either you're going to be an architect or you're going to be, you know, a comedian. And that's, you know, <laughs> the angel saying to me, listen, <laughs> go for what you love. So my boss, Mr. Warren, God bless him. I, I'll never forget this dude because he knew I was doing stand up, and he would ask me from time to time, "How's that show? How's that show?" And uh, it was a Friday. I'll never forget this. And I went into his office and I said, "Mr. Warren, we got to talk." And he knew. He goes, "Yeah, I know. I know." He goes, "Good luck to you, kid." And he shook my hand, did my two weeks, and haven't looked back. That's that. This is a positive thing. See? Yeah. I know that you've uh, played. I say played, but you've stood up yeah, all over the country, right? All over the world, actually. Pretty much, yeah, all over the world, yeah. So what, what do you find different in, let's say, the, let's just start with America, for example, from the East Coast, the Midwest, and the, and the West, and Here's comedy in your routine is there? Right. So, be honest with you, coast to coast, people are a little more, lack of better words, hipper. But more in the Midwest, people are more on the conservative side. So, you are... They're in the Midwest. They're not necessarily pop culture savvy. On the on the coast, like in New York and L.A., you know, you can mention you know Puda Pie or something like that. They'll know. But in the Midwest, you kind of have to, you know, your setups have to be maybe a little bit longer, or just to make sure be more your your relatability. Your your relatability is just a little bit different. A little bit different from there. Mm -hmm. How about where have you played internationally? Um, let's see. Uh, Holland did a been there a few years. Russia, uh, China, Hong Kong. Um, yeah, pretty much all the Northern Hemisphere. Working at, actually, no, I'm sorry, Africa. I've been in Africa too. So. What's it like doing a comedy show in Russia? Well, 
it's the thing about it is interesting is that people have these uh, thoughts about American and same thing when in China too. They, I remember I was on the street and I was talking to someone um, in China and, and they asked, they thought I was either from Africa or England. And I said, no, I'm, I'm American. And they were like, no, you're not American. You're not American. And I'm like, yeah, I am American. Because now you're not American. He, he was so convinced I was not American. And so I said, why am I not an American? Because you're not fat. Because Americans are fat. You know? And I was like, wow. <laughs> so, and, uh, and then when I was in, um, in the, uh, Russia, um, I was about to do the show. And I was talking to someone. about. I was about to go on stage. And he said to me, you know, just like in a matter of fact, he said to me, he goes, well, how many guns do you own? And... Yeah, and I was like, I don't, I don't own any. <laughs> he goes, I need like, come on, you know. It's he goes like, it's me, it's me. Come on, you can talk to me. How, how many guns do you? And like, I don't, I don't own any guns. So it's kind of interesting uh, looking at, uh, looking at America through their eyes, and it, and I can play on that, you know. And it's 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 just That's it's just a lot funny. of fun. So um, I try to step back and let them say or speak, and then. Uh, I just ride that wave, so to speak. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting, uh, interesting notion that the Chinese think we're all fat, and Russia thinks we all own weapons. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Now, when you went to Holland, do they think Americans are all? Um, they kind of giggle at Americans, so to speak. Um, the way we do things, um, they're very, very. Uh, when I was in, uh, oh man, Amsterdam, Rotterdam, The uh, Hague, all those that area i mean just basically the netherlands um yeah their attitude is, is kind of like a layback thing the whole racism thing they're like ah you know you want to deal with that man listen are, are you a good person are you trying to do good things in the world cool cool let's go um yeah man it, they're they're just the the it's so interesting if i may the racism thing in in, in holland or i should say the netherlands is more i don't want to say it's it's dead, but when their attitude towards African Americans or uh, black people, it's not as it's not as harsh. And you can feel it. And being a black man, you definitely can feel that when you walk into that uh, convenience store, any public place, you don't feel any tension. You you just feel relaxed. You feel just this energy that's kind of like, all right, you want to buy something? Go ahead and buy something, you know. But um, in my own country, you know, I've I've gone to you know convenience stores, and depending on what I'm wearing. You know, I'll definitely get, uh, um, anybody kind of say, um, profiled, um, you know, as what, what my actions are going to be or what my actions are. So Yeah, very unfortunate. I've had a couple of conversations on my show in regard to that in specific with regard to, mm-hmm. um, especially between black and uh, and white, yeah. especially and black and Asian. Yeah. Um, it. it you know, I grew up in the in the. I mean, obviously, I, most people on my show know that I'm a little older. I'm in my I'm in the early stages of my seventh generation. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm over sixty years old. Gotcha. So I I grew up in the um in the sixties. I grew okay. up in the sixties and the seventies. So I grew up during a lot of that racial tension and time. But part of my family, on my one side of my family, I won't say what because my relatives also listen to this, but they all know who they are. Right. On one side of my family, um, there was racism because they grew up, they were born and grew up and bred in the South. Okay. Mississippi, oh, wow. You know, in that whole area. Yeah. So you can get, you get from that connotation. And then from the other side of my family, my father's side of the family, 
Uh, they're all from Pennsylvania mm-hmm. and from uh, that, uh, that arena in that area. Mm-hmm. So uh, my father taught me different right. in regard to that. Like, I grew up respecting people as people. Mm-hmm. Color didn't color color wasn't an issue. Mm-hmm. People people. I grew up watching the race wars. Or watching the riots. Mm-hmm. I I grew up when Martin Luther King was shot. I grew up when Bobby Kennedy was shot. Oh wow! I, okay. Was John F. Kennedy was shot. Wow. Actually. Okay. Um, not that it means anything, but uh, when I was a when I was three years old, John F. Kennedy picked me up, held me in his arms, and then when he left that area, because my father was a reporter. Okay. When I left that area, he went to Dallas and got shot. No relation to him picking me up. I was going to say, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> what, are you, what are you telling me? <laughs> Just for the record. But I, I grew up in that, and, and it's in watching the progress that we've made and then the progress being wiped away in the last three or four years has just been extremely disappointing. There's been a negativity around everybody in regard yeah. to it. It's just, you know, it's just sad. And if I may, you know, the thing about that is that it's it's a fear, you know, that is pushing a fear. And when you push that fear, um, you kind of can manipulate people to doing and believing whatever. And if you watch these people who are just so angry, just so angry and you know why are you why are you so angry that people want to be equal not better but just want to be equal you know it's that fear that they're going to lose what they have and if it's little that they have it's that fear and it's not that's not the case you know if you really think about it if you kind of like try to get the equality there everybody wins everybody wins and um there's been you know little hints here and there where people of color who made incredible advances you know for this country and for this world and everybody everyone benefit from it so it's i think it's just that fear that uh you know certain folks played on or play on and um you can become that become the leader of that fear and perpetuate that. And you can become very, very rich from it too. Which is again, unfortunately it really is. Yeah. If you want to one stop everything for one more thing before you go, visit before you go podcast.com where you can find each and every episode of one more thing before you go links to your favorite listening platforms, subscribe and review option. And as a special bonus by visiting before you go podcast.com, you can purchase any book from our shows access expanded show notes and guest bios. And if you're a podcaster or just getting started before you go, podcast.com can make your life easier with highly recommended podcast equipment and resources for editing and publishing. It'll make your life easier as a podcaster. Hurry and visit before you go, podcast.com before your neighbor beats you to it as it's the perfect resource for everything you need to listen, learn, and grow your own podcast. Speaking of leader, mm-hmm. you are one of the most sought after comedians in the corporate world as well. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about that. Yeah, um, because not many comics can do uh, to be to be clean and on the fly. Because a lot of these shows, in fact, I just did one for the PepsiCo Corporation, and it's virtual. It was virtual where I had to go to um, uh, across the water in New Jersey, and we worked in a studio. And it was an awards event, and there were people in Spain and Australia, Italy, uh, China, and they were getting the awards in real time. And uh, there were some things where their Wi-Fi would drop out, and so they'll throw it back to me, and I had to be, you know, jokey, jokey, whatever. But I had to keep it in the 
corporate clean or the corporate parameters because there's TV clean and then there's corporate clean, you know, and they, even there's there's Christian clean. So you got to know, you know, how far and in what to say in situations like that. And uh, and that and that actually helped me get the gig with um, President Bush and Obama when I was uh, emceeing uh, an event with Michelle Obama. I had a stretch uh, because they were uh, having some problems uh, for 20 minutes. And I had to be corporate clean and not many comics can do that. And so I'm very proud to, uh, to be a corporate comic. Speaking of corporate comic, you mentioned three people there that I think are amazing that you were able to kind of MC or, yeah. and, and part of this is Michelle Obama mm-hmm. and, uh, George HW Bush or senior daddy. Yeah. Yeah. We have that in common. I'll tell you something about that in a second, but, uh, HW Bush and then, uh, Barack Obama. So, what was it like? What was that like? Um, amazing people. Amazing people. But to be honest with you, it was just a gig. You know, it was just just a gig. You know, so they hired me because of what I did last time. Ain't nothing changed. Just keep doing what you're doing. So. Well, kind of works. Um, favorite president of all time. My or favorite president of all time or your favorite president of all time? Mine. Oh, okay. And my wife's. Okay. And my kids. Okay. Okay. So they're listening. They hear that too. Right, right. <laughs> really. But uh, yeah, it um, the uh, George Bush Senior. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was uh, in law enforcement, still on the job uh, early on in my days, mm-hmm. um, I got picked by Secret Service to uh, basically be on the same floor outside his bedroom door. What? Um, hotel room. Yeah, I was part of that detail. What? It was pretty cool. Oh man! All right. <laughs> and we have we have a little bit of six degrees of something. There. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm speaking to a celebrity. All right. <laughs> Well, you're more of a celebrity than me. I don't know, man. That's all relative, you you know. (laughs) You got a couple more than me, Michelle and Barack. Yeah, but I wasn't standing outside the bedroom. Come on. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I mean, and and let me tell you something. Secret Service eat well. I mean, they eat well. Yeah. I'm sitting there in the green of Congress. You want something? Yeah, I want a sandwich. Okay, bring me back a sandwich. It was like three times the size of a normal sandwich. <laughs> like, where did you get this sandwich? He says, no, we always get it that way. Wow. It's like, I've been eating with you guys for a while. Thanks. Wow. All right. Once again, man, I, I'm, I'm impressed. I'm, I'm honored to have this conversation. It was well, the same, same to you. So you've appeared in like um, over 30 national and international commercials. How did you get back into acting? Um, those were all part of my, my career. Um, you know, while I'm doing stand up, I would audition for, for commercials. And um, because, you know, once again, I wanted to get into the whole acting thing. And, um, so I picked up an agent and they're like, you know, you want to audition for this? I'm like, sure. And boom, it came to be. What kind of commercials can we see you in? Uh, let's see. Uh, um, Wow. Uh, there's Walmart, there's, um, geez, I, why am I drawing a blank on these commercials? Uh, there's, uh, did I put you on the spot? Yes, you did. Hey, yes, you did. Um, I have to go to my website and see all the commercials I've been in. Um, I, five minutes after we get off, you go, oh, wait a minute. Here, oh, of course. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, then I'm going to be like, blah, 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 da, 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 da. Um, yeah. So we're just kind of, keep well, I did, um, one I'd done, I did one in Spain. Uh, I did, I did, uh, one in, in Israel for RC Cola in Israel for the Spanish lottery, uh, in Spain. Uh, here in, in the States, um, Pizza Hut. Uh, oh, God, it goes on. Um, yeah, I have to go on my website and see. So, 
Yeah, RC Cola. I haven't heard that in a long time. I should drink RC Cola yeah, years, they, they, years ago. They dig RC Cola over there in Israel. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Yeah. Well, I, well, actually, when you think about it, uh, uh, Coca-Cola products and like RC and all those kind of are really big in most international countries. Mm-hmm. You know, Mexico, Italy. Yeah. Oh, PepsiCo's uh, big, man. When I was uh, doing this hosting thing, um, they gave me a list of all the product. You know, the uh, the Doritos, the uh, Mountain Dew, Gatorade. I was like, oh wow, I forgot about that. So yeah, they're big, real big. So have we seen you on network TV? Um, let's see. Um, one search part. It's a show called Shirts Party. I think that's on TNT. But I have a show on Netflix. I'm in a show called The Get Down on Netflix. Um, that you can you can watch, and um, my own show that I've done um, on YouTube called Wait What with Wally. You can watch that now, and um, I've been pushing that that sucker. So, yeah, wait, wait, what with Wally? They, uh, I watched a binge watched it a little bit yesterday and today, and it's uh, it's really good. Thanks. Uh, I mean, I'm impressed. It's very intriguing. It makes you laugh. Right. Kind of keeps you involved right. and makes you want to say, "Wait, what? Huh? Exactly. Huh? <laughs> I, I love the art one. Oh, okay, cool, amazing. I mean, I like the other ones too. Right. I'm not going to give them all away. We want people to go look. Exactly, at them. exactly. Yeah, you know, it's funny because um, people get back to me, and they, they all have their favorites. They have the different favorites. You know, um, festival uh, people like. Um, you know, there's different parts. Food um, people enjoy the. Uh, the choices of uh, this and, and there's, a, there's a segment of people uh, eating some certain foods. Um, yeah, there's uh, they, they all have a little nugget for everybody. It's family friendly too, by the way. It is, yes, it is. At least the ones I watched were very friendly. We're, we're very friendly. <laughs> right. Yes, they were. So what was your motivation for doing a YouTube channel? Well, it's like this, my man. Um, I'm uh, here, you know, home and I'm not traveling. And I wanted to use my talents as an actor, as a comedian, as a writer, um, producer. Um, and then um, I said, I have to, I have to do something with this, with all this energy that I have. So I said, why well, don't I just start my own show, do my own show? And so I decided, well, what shows do I like? And I enjoyed watching shows like Ridiculousness or um, uh, America's Funniest, Funniest Home Videos compilation uh show compilation shows and i said well i want to do my own compilation show and um so i kind of like got a structure that i'll do like a minute monologue you know in the beginning kind of throw some funny in there and uh throw some some you know out out there videos that and, and photos to that make me say wait what this is what and i want to put them in a uh uh, um, into a show. And I said, I'm going to do 12 episodes to see how it goes and try to make them all as, uh, as different as possible. And, um, yeah, it, it uh, I can, pro- I can probably say that I'm happy with the product. And so now also it's just, uh, just getting uh, getting sponsors and advertisers to, um, to check them out. And, uh, yeah. And then that'll help with, uh, paying bills, I guess. And also, too, um, I, I, I put it out as, a, so to speak, a labor of love because, you know, we're going through this uh, uh, pandemic and this lockdown. And I just wanted to people to help people get through it. So if they can watch the show, 
um, you know, they'll, they'll forget about it for, you know, the 10 minutes, epi- 10 minute episodes that they can forget about it and, and just kind of like escape, you know, and enjoy, enjoy themselves. And so that gives me a good feeling too. So. Yeah, they're, they're really well done. I mean, I, again, as I said earlier, I binge watched a bunch of them yesterday and today. So it's kind of a situation that you get a little bit of everything and then you can kind of escape for a few minutes and the 10 minute, 10 minute length uh, approximate 10 minute length on them. Right. Uh, uh, are, everybody needs to go check it out. Yeah. They really do. Yeah. And subscribe by the way. I need subscribers. And subscribe. Yeah. Yes. I forget about things. Subscribe. <laughs> yes. That's very important. <laughs> I forget about it too, actually. Well, it's, you know, I, I, I like the fact that you are still what you just said a minute ago, you still want people to have the opportunity to escape and to laugh. Mm-hmm especially in today's environment, because people, I think, are getting to a point where there's so much anger and negativity oh, running around man. at the moment. And yeah. It just is overwhelming. And, um, you know, if you can escape for a little bit and and laugh, yeah. it can make your day a little bit better. You know, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more, too, which I find so um, interesting was during the summer, um, this comedy club in New York, they were putting up comedy shows in Central Park. and um, you wouldn't believe the number of people that came out to watch these shows. And it was just comedians and under a tree, just yelling jokes. Uh, people, people are social beings. They, they, they don't mind, you know, getting together for a common cause and, and enjoying live entertainment. And it was a great feeling. And it, and it taught me a lot too, that, you know, once this thing is, we get over this thing that people are going to be looking for, you know, entertainment, they're going to be looking for comedians, they're going to be looking for, you know, uh, uh, bands and, and, and theater, because they just need that, that escape. They just need something, you know? I agree with that. So you, uh, are you putting, you've already put it to 12 episodes. Mm-hmm. So when can we expect the next one? Well, I was going to do um, another six, but I wanted to see how these go. And because let me tell you something, putting those things together it's man, I and that's another thing too that I learned because you got you got like, this copyright problems and then you have to worry about it editing situations. Um, so there are things that I mean, all this is me. I I I had to learn how to do graphics, um, <clears throat> all those things. You have to music. Oh boy, um, you have to learn. So I want to see how these twelve go. I'm going to gauge and you know, how well they're being received. And then I'll do another six more. And then I'll do six and then six and then six. This works. Yeah. I think that's pretty cool. And obviously at the end of this uh, episode, I'll make sure that everybody knows where to find those. And I'll have them in the show notes as well. Cool. Um, you're also a published author, aren't you? Yeah. So, you know, you're you're good at this. You're really good because you, you put a nice little, you, you put the, the connect them together. All right. So, um the reason why I wrote the book is because the way my life has been going and like where my career is going. And um, so once I started doing stand-up comedy and I had success there and um, from the stand-up comedy, I started acting um, and then um, they started traveling. I was having all these great experiences. I did it because you never know from my, what my mother said, you never know. And so that was my mantra. That was my motivator for anything was, you know what, I'm going to try this because you never know. So I wanted to share what I've learned and to be in that you never know state of mind. I condensed those three words into one word and called it, you never know. Y apostrophe N-E-V-A-N-O. 
you never know. And to kind of make it fun and like a little catchy. But the important part was that I just wanted the people to understand that the happiness that you are going to experience is in the try. Because anything that you do, anything that you go for, you're going to talk about the experience of going for it. Not, not necessarily if you've succeeded or failed. You're going to talk about what you did or what you had to do to get those things. You know, And uh, when I do my talks or when I'm up there you know, doing a presentation about you never know state of mind, one example I talk about is when you go on a journey. And, you know, it's a long journey where you have to get into a plane, you fly for how many hours, and then you land, you get into a car, you have to go to a hotel, you stay in a hotel, and you get back into a car, you go and meet that person, either they hug you or they shake your hand. What's the first thing that they say to you? They'll say to you, how was your trip? Not the fact that you're there, they want to know how was the try to getting there. And that's with anything that you try or do, it's always going to be about the try. So, and that's where the happiness lies. And so I want to share that with other people. So I started a website to the youneverknow.com website to encourage people and have people to encourage other people. And then every Monday I would write a blog, a, a blog to be that encourager, encouragement to try this. Think, think of life in this particular way. So I had a hundred or so of, uh, of blogs. And so I said, you know what, this would be a really cool book that people can take with them. And you look at the encouragements and, um, you know, help you get through that that situation or with that problem or obstacle. And um, the book's uh, doing pretty well. It hit number eight on the Amazon uh, uh, happiness category. And, um, yeah, so I just want to encourage people to, to go for it. That's amazing, actually. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a, a, it is a way for positivity to come into your life. Mm -hmm. And stick with you. Right. And stick Because with you can carry those with you and keep it with you yeah. and check on you know, refresh your right. encouragements. Right. Whenever I, you're feeling down. I, I just I was hoping I was trying to design the book or the, the what I had in mind for the book is the book to be your your buddy, your friend. That, you know, oh man, I'm stuck here. I'm, my my you know, my brain is not right or whatever. Go into the you never know book of encouragements. You're gonna find encouragement that's gonna help you get through whatever obstacle, whatever problem you have, I promise. That's amazing. And it's obviously you're doing it yourself as well, because you your journey is right. an amazing journey from where you were and where you're at now. Right. And and yeah, and I, it wouldn't be I don't think the book would have much value if I'm not talking the talking the walk or walking the talk. You know what I mean? Exactly. Testament to mm -hmm. success is what it is. Yep. So I can find that on where uh, Amazon. It's um, you can get the ebook or you can get the um, hard copy. It's just that simple. Is uh, Amazon? You never know. That's outstanding. Do you have any words of wisdom? Um, I always have words of wisdom <laughs> or things that I uh, to encourage people. Um, like I was saying, like it's always in the try. Uh, don't worry about succeeding or failing, because you're going to talk about you know how you failed, or you're going to talk about how you succeeded. So you have to understand that life is not uh, getting to those goals. Life is about the journey to those goals. It's always going to be that way. So um, to live a regretless life, and that's the whole point of it, to live a regretless life. Don't worry about succeeding or failing. Just go for it. And how do you start or how do you get out of that rut or whatever? Do simple things that will change your your routine. I say, for instance, take your, uh, if, you have, if you wear a wrist, wrist watch, 
If it's on your left wrist, put it on your right wrist because that's going to change your your uh, your routine and what you take for granted. Um, if you start your day, um, you know, you go out your house or your apartment and you take a right turn, take a left turn. And when you do that, that's going to change your whole uh, way of thinking, things that you do, because then you're going to be thinking differently. Um, instead of uh, a pizza for lunch, have a salad or have a different uh, something different. Uh, uh, you always have Italian, try Chinese or try uh, 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 Greek, something different that changed your routine. And once you do that, you're going to see world, the world in a different way. And then you're going to start being on that road to you never know state of mind. Obviously, my podcast is called One More Thing Before You Go. Mm-hmm. And I always encourage people to make sure you say what you want to say. And that fits it perfectly. Oh, cool. Molly, thank you very much for being a guest. I really enjoyed our conversation. This was amazing. You know, I've done a few of these, and I have to say, this is up there on the top ones. Um, you did your I research, and um, your questions were, like, right on point. So thank you for accepting me the, uh, <laughs> the offer or accepting me as a guest. I really appreciate that. Thanks for listening to this episode of One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our website at BeforeYouGoPodcast.com. That's BeforeYouGoPodcast.com. Tell your story, share your expertise, contribute to the blog, and subscribe to the newsletter. You can find us as well as subscribe to the program and rate us on your favorite podcast listening platform. And one more thing before you go. Have a nice day, have a nice week, and thanks for listening. One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life podcast, is a creation of One More Thing Productions, established 2010, all rights reserved.